<laughs> Lord, thank you for uh, just uh, how wonderful you are and how you protect us. Thank you for all that have been traveling and and who have made it back, Lord, safely. We thank you for the good stories of of the times that they had, and but we're just grateful that they're back with us. And so, Lord, we pray as we open your word that we spend some time uh, just growing in our relationship with you, that we would um, rest in the fact that you have done it all and um, that you have revealed yourself to us so that we might know you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, let me read uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. That'll kind of get us, um, and we'll kind of do a little recap, and then we'll jump to the bottom of the first page of Lesson 28. Kind of cover those verses again before we get to the back. We need some context before we jump to the questions on the back. Verse 1 of Mark 9. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. So we talked last week briefly about how uh, this statement at the beginning that some standing here will not, see, will not taste death until they sing the kingdom of God. Uh, we believe that, that more than likely that was a reference to the transfiguration. There were three guys standing there who did not taste death before they saw the kingdom of God. Jesus glorified in radiant white, whiter than anyone could bleach uh, 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 linen. And, and so we see this, this picture there. Um, and then we see, uh, again, Peter kind of don't know what to say. So he says something, um, and God interrupts him, actually, and says, this is my son, listen to him. And then they're kind of left. Um, with Jesus. So that's kind of the picture that we have here. And what we need to understand is some of these things is our life in Christ, this radiant white, is that whole idea of the righteousness of Christ being given to us on the days that I wear a robe. That's what that white all means is that I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's a good picture for us to see that we as believers are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I wear the black to show that, that I've still struggled with sin. I've still been redeemed because I'm a sinner, but the white of Christ has covered me. And so that's the reason that, that some of the symbology that we have, um, if that's a word, symbolism, that's but symbology present. I like now. I, yeah. So we're going to remind me I want to use it in a book. So <laughs> I'm like, ooh. Uh, so, uh, so we look at the, the fact that, that that is there. And so we see this picture of, of Peter even saying very, very clear, this is good that we're here. I mean, I'm, and I think as we all talked about imagining being in the presence of a glorified Christ, what a wonderful, beautiful picture that is for us and that we would want to stay in that moment. Um, but as we're still here on earth, God sees fit to to uh, have us go down the mountain and deal with real life. And uh, sometimes that means but that we carry that experience, though, with us. And we look forward to the next moment when we have a revelation of, of Jesus to us. But we realize that his spirit is dwelling within us. 
And that's something that we have to fight to remember all the time. I don't know about you, but sometimes I go about my day and I'm like, oh, that's right. God's dwelling within me right now. Maybe I should, you know, pay attention a little more to to what I'm doing or thinking. Uh, But sometimes at the same time, it's nice when you get to that comfortability um, like w- when with relationships, uh, what, there, there comes a, a place with friends or with husband and, uh, or, and wife where they can just be in the same place together and not have to say anything and they're totally content and, 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 comf- and there's comfort in that. And sometimes there's that with the Lord. We don't have to be constantly being exercised to talk to the Lord, or to, but we're just in fellowship with him and there's a peace and a calm of just being in his presence. Um, and so... So 2 Corinthians 5.21, let's kind of look at how these verses explain our life in Christ. We, we looked at them a little bit last week, but let's just dive a little bit more into those and then we'll pick up to the back page. 2 Corinthians 5.21, whoever has that, please read it. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay. Uh, so how does this picture on the Mount of Transfiguration kind of give us that explanation of what it looks like to have a, a life um, of righteousness? Well, God the Father presents Jesus on the mountain as, here is my son, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's the one. And the pure white, of course, right. we talked about that already. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to read much more into it other than that. Then there's the, the brightness and the purity of acceptance to a holy God um, is, is brighter than anything we can understand. That's what's so great when you read Isaiah. It says that though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And that, that phrase, white as snow, is, is like the sun directly uh, beating upon fresh white snow and you know as well as I do that that that's kind of hard on the eyes <laughs> so uh, so we need to understand that Matthew five sixteen. someone read that please let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven okay so how does that kind of talk about our life in Christ Okay. I was going to say represent Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. shouldn't just see darkness when they, when they see. And you can kind of see a person's soul if there's light or darkness. Yeah. Yeah. There's a countenance that, that typically, um, hopefully, shines through as those who are believers. Um, go ahead, Harold. So, I mean, if anybody read the Portals of Prayer this morning, the illustration was. Uh, a quiet snowfall in the winter time. My my um, driveway is black, but as soon as the snow falls, it's beautiful white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. That's a great example. And again, then we shine that that whiteness in a black world, <laughs> mm-hmm. dark world. Sorry, Steve. I was just saying that uh, not only that the the end of it over there. So 
live your life so shine that then people will give glory to your father that there's a mm -hmm. there's a residual because you were faithful that there's an eternal blessing and that uh, people will be blessing and actually acknowledge it's a testimony that Christ God there is a God he does exist it is, it is eternal and they're glorifying God or thanking God uh, for the, the, the little things that you might do. Mm -hmm. And we know that the source of light is Christ himself, right? He is the light of the world. And uh, it's important to recognize that when our light is shining, people will see our good works, but they're not going to look at us. They're going to go, God's done that. And so some of it is us pointing people, say, well, you know. Uh, but a lot of it is, too, like when Matt went back to uh, Ohio and saw a bunch of his friends who knew him as an atheist, and he had a great opportunity to, to share with them, God has done amazing stuff in my life. And so he's like, it wasn't my idea, because you guys know what my idea was, and that was to rail against God. Uh, so... Uh, again, it, it, it's, it's not our light, although it says let your light shine, but we know that we don't have light in us unless Christ shines his light within us. Um, and so we can't take credit for it. I always, the, 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 the older I get, the more I resonate with, with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, who says I keep doing the things that I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do I find myself doing, and I'm convinced that nothing dwells within me that is good, that is in the flesh. And so, and that's a great diversion to say, everything that I do that is positive, everything that I do that is good, everything that I do that is, that is praiseworthy cannot be, t I cannot take credit for it. Um, it's the work of God in my life, in and through me. And uh, because we're a little bit selfish at times. Just a little bit. You're not exaggerating, are you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> it was, it was a little bit. Uh, a little bit. First Peter 2, verse 9. Someone read that. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how does that explain our purpose as a people? That you may proclaim. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's exactly right. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and Second Corinthians before verse 21 says, you're ambassadors pleading with people to be reconciled to God through Christ. And so I think a lot of times it's challenging because people stop with, well, I'm saved, isn't that great? Instead of going, wait a second, if you're a new creation, you're no longer who you were. Now your direction has changed. Because when you repent, repentance is a turning. It's a turning away from and turning to something. No, it's not just turning away, it's turning to something. And, and so I think, uh, yes, yeah, salvation is awesome. And we want people to receive the forgiveness of sins. We want them to be made new in Christ. But you're made new so that you may in the spirit do these things you know there's walks that we're there's works that we're supposed to do that god has prepared in advance that we would walk in them um we pro proclaim uh we're ambassadors so you can look all this and, and so there the, the enemy has done a good job of infiltrating the church and say well now that you're saved you don't need to do anything well we don't talk about repentance very much yeah yeah i mean people don't want to hear true it kind of seems like it 
could almost be relegated to old time, you know, that's what people used to talk about. But now we're more enlightened, and, but no, we need it more than ever. Well, we live in a world, though, to that point where nothing is wrong. And repentance indicates that something is wrong, right? And so if, if you're telling somebody I have to repent, they're like, well, the world tells me I can be whoever I want and act how I want and whether I feel like, whatever I feel like today, I can be, right? And if you tell them, well, no, you need to repent of that, well, you're, you can't tell me I'm wrong, right? So that's your point is that... Everybody you know, has their own truth. <laughs> well, that's there's only one truth. They can, they can... Yeah, no, but you're, I'm just saying that you hear that all the time. That, yeah, that is you what hear that said, all the time. This is my truth. Yeah. Right. Well, yep. But the real truth that we get to proclaim will cut through all that nonsense. So, Steve. Uh, according to what, what you were just saying, um, what, you know, uh, that we all have our own truth. I maybe laugh as the thinking of Dave Sinem there. Your best thinking got you there. You know, when you pick up the pieces yeah. of their life and you says. And that wasn't your worst thinking. That was it, the apex, the zenith. At some point you thought, this is a good idea. spiritual Darwin Awards over there. Can we be, be any more stupid? You know? uh, but I was thinking, you know, well, the spiritual Darwin Awards are not funny. They're no, no, no they are, but it just was a No, I'm in yeah. church where we do stupid stuff in the Lord. It's not a good thing, but uh, on... Uh, um, when it says First uh, Peter two nine it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, His own special people. I was thinking when I go to the doctor, I just don't go to anybody. I told I you I was to, special, so, but you know, <laughs> special. He's proven his thing over there. And as I looked across there, and I see each one of you over there, um, you bless me. Of uh, you are chosen. You've walked in the truth, and you've been faithful in your in your words. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of what God's doing as a royal priesthood. But wearing that mantle, you're a royal, you're a chosen people, a royal, you know, I don't always feel that way. I feel like uh, a barbarian sometimes, a spiritual barbarian of yeah. just going, uh, that's yeah. my position, but I don't always act well, like that. Well, I mean, that again, that's the whole thing of what Paul was saying. He right. kept, yeah. kept saying it. Right. We keep saying it. Yeah. And it's great as Paul wrote that towards the end of his life. So it gives us hope that, yes. that we're not alone. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, it just dawned on me, we talk about royal priesthood. Can anyone who is of royal lineage, and, and I'm, I don't understand, this is just me, so don't throw things at me. I don't understand America's obsession with royalty uh, in England. I, I don't understand it at all. It makes no sense to me. I'm like, didn't we, like, go away from that? Anyway, so, um, but, that's what, uh, I guess it, it's better than looking at politicians. Anyway, so um, so I, I think that, that they can't go anywhere without people recognizing, oh, you're of the royal family. You know, there's, they're being followed. And I think, I think sometimes we need to realize that's really us as believers. If we're royalty, um, people are watching us, whether you like it or not. Uh, but they are. They are watching. If you, pro- if you profess to be a Christian, that... that marks you in a certain way with all the wrong ideas that people have about it. But through relationship, I mean, I've, I'm sure several, several of you have had people that say, you know, I thought this about Christians, but you're not like that. Um, you, you know, uh, I, at least I've had a couple people, uh, that's not normal. I mean, I've, uh, they're like, well, you actually like are nice to me and you talk to me and you're not telling me that, that, that I have to, you know, turn or burn right now. I said, well, we'll get there, but I'm just, (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> want to make. Yeah, no. I want to make sure you're going to listen to me first, right? You, you know, and that's and that's the thing is is that it's hard work to get to that place. But they watch. People say you go to church. If, 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 what are you doing this week? I'm going to church. Oh boy, you're one of those. So they start watching you. They start watching you, and that's okay. It's okay. I hope they see Jesus and not me. So, <laughs> how about Philippians two fourteen through fifteen? Do all these things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hmm. It's that could be just today's, right? You're in a, a crooked, a crooked, a crooked and perverse generation. You guys are excited about the sermon today. <laughs> What's he going to say? Uh, I'm trying to get it all out now. Uh, but where we shine. And that's one thing that I think that, that um, we have a great opportunity in a world that is clearly in darkness. I mean, it, it, people clearly see that the world is not right. I mean, I don't think you could really walk up to anyone who's fairly aware of what's going on and say, hey, is the world a utopia right now? Uh, many of them would go, yeah, no. Uh, and so we have a great opportunity as believers to say, yeah, but. But th- th- there's a reason you need to recognize this, recognize this because God has something better for us. And that's that light that we shine. I find all too often the tendency, and I'm, I'm put, pointing the finger at myself, to get just grumbly about the way things are, to get really just, and I have to pause, and it's hard, it's hard work, because I, I try not to watch a lot of news, but I watch enough to try to stay informed so I can speak to it, but um, I, I try to watch it, and I go, you know, uh, things aren't right, and the Lord always has to remind me, why are you expecting a broken world to be right? Why are you expecting leaders who are apart from Christ to do things that are within a biblical worldview? Uh, why are you expecting this? And, and so I realize my expectations are always challenged with the way things are. Um, so how do, how do we shine as a light in this world? Speaking the truth in love. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's easy to just go along with how uh, things are horrible, you know. And, and I complain about the, the gas prices. I, I complain about, I don't, understand why, I don't understand why there aren't things in the store. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I'm not smart enough to know it all. I don't know all the players. Um, but I have to be careful that I don't just fall into that getting just ticked off and then I... I'm not nice to the checker, and <laughs> that's why there's, I'm glad there's self checkout because sometimes I need to not talk to anybody. <laughs> Connie, but just what you were just saying isn't one way to shine your light is by being kind to each other. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Maybe that is more important than about anything. Well, I I would agree. I think people are shocked when kindness and genuineness is exhibited toward them. I really, I think it catches a lot of people off guard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I figured, think it's kind every time you drive in Fred Meyer's parking lot to not hit somebody. 
Well, because nobody looks. They're just, they're just walking. Up. And, and I know when the, it was when the pandemic started. It's just everyone had this tunnel vision all of a sudden. They have, it has not been, the masks did not remove that. And they're like, and I think they're like, it's almost sometimes I'm like, they're daring me. <laughs> they're probably not thinking about me at all. But at the same time, I'm like. No, don't do it. Not, yeah, no, okay, no. There will be consequences. There will be consequences. Yeah. So. I, I find, too, that um, talking about how we let our light shine and whether it be through kindness or doing good things, um, that I think the best place to start is to be letting the Lord always check my motives, too, because oftentimes, I mean, I'm just thinking about the last few days I spent with my mom, and there were times where both of us were doing things where we were like, oh, I'm good, you know, and it was like, oh, wait a second, no, there's no one good but Jesus, you know, and so to, I think, to have that so that Christ is the one getting the glory, Christ is the one, um, you know, being lifted, because it's easy um, to let ourselves do good things for ourselves and there's a line with that too that we have to be careful because um not saying that you're doing this but uh, but uh i had a a bass player in new mexico uh, probably one of the best musicians i've ever played along with and he would get up every morning and 15 minutes he would practice these scales and um he uh i would thank him every sunday you know i said man thank you frank you know you're and he, by the way, he just had half his foot amputated. That's a whole different story. But um, <laughs> from a Walmart accident. Okay. So he was a mechanic for the Walmart distribution center. Anyway, so. Uh, and uh, he uh, didn't, have big work, work, didn't affect his hands, so I'm happy for him. But, uh, but he would, every time, he goes, well, you know, it's really not me. It's, it's God and through me. And finally, after six months or so, I said, Frank, look, I know it's God. I said, but you are being faithful to, to exercise what God has put in you and, and a lot, rely on him to, to, to hone your craft. And, and so, so yes, I know that it's God in you, but I want you to know I'm recognizing that it's God in you and I'm thankful for it because you could not do it. You know, you could say, no, I don't want to. And uh, he goes, okay. And I said, he goes, well, what do I do when people say stuff? I said, I said, well, just say thank you and then thank the Lord. Because they don't know. You know, when, when, when God uses you in a way, people don't know. They don't know to say, well, I really thank God for what you did today. Most people are like, wow, thank you. Uh, and that's their way of saying God used you in that moment. And so we have to, we have to be sensitive to the Spirit. Maybe it is a time for, them to go, for us to go, well, you know, the reason I did this was this. Uh, but usually, like you're saying, when you're being kind to people, not hitting them in the parking lot. Um, um, but that's selfish motivation because you said there are consequences. So, <laughs> uh, but when you're being kind to people, sometimes it's it, it's it's setting them up for another kindness to come in with someone who can speak into their lives in a different way. Uh, so, um, I think it'd be nice to be kind to people. So, in in Mark nine, uh, <clears throat> verse seven. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. So what is significant about the proclamation of the Father in this moment?
Jesus speaks with his voice. So listening to what Jesus says is the same as reading the book. Okay. It's the same words, the same authority, the same message. Nice. So there, there's no conflict there. Okay. Great. Steve? I was going to say that uh, it, it was not just the same authority, but it's also verifying the Torah, the Old Testament, all prophecy. Um, Ooh, anybody? Good angle. Huh? Good angle. Thanks. No, <laughs> no but I, I was just I was just saying though that if you're a Jew, obviously um, uh, uh, the disciples weren't uh, uh, biblical Torah scholars because I mean that, that what he was declaring this is my beloved son who I'm you know it's fulfilling the Messiah, the Messiah everything in the Old Testament they've been reading looking for it's a it's a direct proclamation that can't be denied. I mean, they mm -hmm. were witnesses of hearing that, watching His glory, seeing the Shekinah glory or the righteousness of Christ on Him. And, uh, I mean, Moses and Elijah, I don't know the direct and specific, but it seems like Moses rep would probably represent the law, I guess, and, mm -hmm. and Elijah, the prophetic aspect of the scriptures. That, wow. Yeah, and I think there's there's another proclamation. So in in uh, in Second Corinthians five before like seventeen, it says, "If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation." Uh, Galatians talks about um, it is I've been crucified with Christ. It's no long, longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. So we see this whole idea as believers that our life is hid in Christ. He's the one who was the wrath appeasing sacrifice. He, he took away all of our sins. And so um, I, I find it interesting, and, and not to be too selfish as believers, but when, when God says, this is my beloved son, um, he calls Jesus beloved. If our life is hid in him, that is also proclaimed about us. We're his beloved um, because we're in Christ. And I think sometimes we walk around like paupers and say, oh, well, I hope God loves me. Instead of going, wait a second, he's proclaimed that you're his beloved. Um, he's proclaimed to those because of Christ. Because of Christ. Um, we are the beloved of God. Again, back to First Peter 2. A people, his own possession. If you keep reading after that, he goes, you once were not a people, but now you are a people. You once had not received mercy, now you receive mercy, but you're special to God. And so I think that that proclamation, and then obviously, definitely listening to him. And then we see right after that, and suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So why is it important that they were left with Jesus only? Okay. The law has been fulfilled. Okay. Bible scholars unite. We have a new deal now. Yeah. Okay. He's the man. All right. Anything else, Harold, you were thinking about something? No, I, no but I don't have anything. That, that's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Well, isn't it great, though? We have this picture. There's this radiant white Elijah, Moses, Peter saying, hey, it's good that we're here. Let's stay here. Let's just park it here. It's awesome. And then God interrupts and says, with a cloud that comes over and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then the, the, the text is kind of like, suddenly, they were left with Jesus only. Um, and so I think that's probably important for us to recognize that experiences um, will fail us. 
uh, you know, these moments of, of, of high uh, c- closeness to God um, sometimes are not there every single day, right? But who is with us every single day? Jesus. And to, uh, to Jared's point and, and uh, Steve's point over there is he's the one. And, and what Megan said too, Jesus, he's the one. Uh, he's the voice of God, right? You know, it, it's his, he's the authority. And even Jesus, you know, at the end of the Great Commission, he says, all authority has been given to me. And this was proven by basically God saying, listen to him. Steve. I was just saying, I was just thinking of the flip side. Of it. What do you do if you're, if you're a hedonist or narcissist or uh, a particular religion? And, you know, they're walking down on Jesus. But I just say, what about your end of your life? You, you're into good works or whatever you did. And then you stand before the Lord and it was Jesus only all the time, and your entire life was spent, and you never understood it, you never recognized it. I was just thinking of the, the flip side of why we probably, uh, one of the rewards we get of sharing Christ is when we stand before him, the people say, well, he told me, I just didn't know, or I didn't receive it, but I was just thinking, the, what, a, what is it? You know, for the disciples, it's only Jesus walking down the mountain, but for all of us, we're gonna stand before the Lord. I was just thinking, wow, you know, did I really represent him as best as I could? Well, the good news is he looks at you through Jesus. Well, that, that's so. true now. Yeah. Thinking for everybody, I mean, there's seven, eight billion people, and I'm yeah. just thinking when these guys are walking down the mountain just with Jesus, that ever, everyone's going to be coming. I, I'm assuming everyone will have to stand before the Lord when we move on. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what it says in Scripture, so I think that's a safe assumption. So, but what are some challenges that keep us from focusing on Jesus only? Connie. Okay, I have to go back a minute. My understanding is the person that's with us all the time is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you're saying Jesus is with us. Correct. So is that one and the same? Is that the way? Well, it's the Holy Trinity, so you could say that God the Father is with you also. Um, because Jesus says at the end in Matthew 28, and, and, and uh, I will be with you always, even right. to the end. And then he gave us his very spirit, which is also called the very spirit of God. So if it's God is three in one, then you have in God the Holy Spirit representation. They're not the same, but they are... Well, the that's, Holy Spirit speaks through God to you, correct? Right, from God to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as God to you, yep, yep. But we, we call it the very spirit of Jesus, too, because Jesus says he'll be with us always. So, yeah, it's one of those mysteries uh, that we, by faith, go, yay, he's with us. I don't understand how it all works, but he's with us. <laughs> and I guess so. for me, just knowing the Holy Spirit is with me all the mm-hmm. time makes more sense than trying to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Knowing that someone is with me all the time. Let's just stop class right now. That's the, big, that's the wisest words of the day. No, seriously. <laughs> well, no, seriously, that is really what it boils down to. Knowing that he's with you. Knowing that he's with you. Because that's really the challenge as believers. The, the challenge as believers is to, to be aware of his presence. Um, because, and let's answer the question, because you're on the right track here. What are some challenges that keep us focusing on Jesus only? Because remember, the Holy Spirit's leading you into all truth, and he will, he will glorify Jesus. So, so the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to get us and our, focus our attention on Jesus, um, which is what God put his hand to here. Jesus is probably what I would say the most um, tangible person of the Godhead. 
that, that's most relatable to us, which is why he's pointing us to, to him. So, what are some challenges? My biggest challenge is me. Okay. I get in my own way a mm. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just your personal experiences, like paying at the gas station. <laughs> you know, I mean, we did that many times. And like, mm-hmm. We forget that, okay, well, yes, it's, it's expensive and we're frustrated that we have to pay it, but God has still helped us to to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of sometimes hard to remember that in the, in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Elijah and Moses thing, I mean, they were big fi- figures in the Old Testament period. Mm-hmm. But would they have been distractions in the New Testament period. Yeah, maybe so, because, well, I mean, Peter wanted to build them tents, so he wanted them around, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, And again, I think Steve had mentioned this, the, the Elijah rep, representing the prophets and Moses representing the law. Um, and we see that Jesus, uh, so Hebrews chapter 1, um, if we look there really quick, uh, it says... <clears throat> Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So basically, what the author of Hebrews is saying, we don't, we don't, the, the prophets are done speaking. Uh, Jesus has fulfilled that. He, Jesus himself says, I, I came to fulfill the law. Paul talks about, um, to your point, Harold, there was struggle. Let's keep the law, right? Let's keep the law going. Um, and we have, even in, in certain circles in Christianity, prophets, I use that term loosely, um, that, that try to foretell the future. The gift of prophecy we see is still valid in the church today, but prophecy has changed. Before Christ, it was foretelling. I'm going to tell you what's happening in the future. Since Christ, it's forthtelling. I'm telling you the truth about things based upon what God says. Not, I think it's going to happen someday. So like when we say, hey, I think we're going to stand, be, everyone's going to stand before God. That's not a foretelling. That's a foretelling because that's what God's word says. So we can say, this is true. This is what's going to happen someday. Um, and we can tell people uh, that this is what God says. Uh, if you keep going this way, that doesn't lead to eternal salvation. That leads to something else or you know just whatever god's word is is very clear and forthtelling but the challenge is to believe god's word right the challenge is when when everything seems crazy to go wait what does god say whether it's personal tragedy personal uh stress whether it's global stress we always have to go back and i think we all experience this and there's going to be someday we don't we don't really talk about the pandemic too much but um I remember distinctly a few weeks after it was all hitting the the whirly bird um, <laughs> that um, that I had to pause and go, "Wait a second, is God moved by all of this? Is God surprised by all of this what 's god 's heart in all of this? Well god 's heart is that people would be saved so now how now that shifts my attention but but you know it, at first. Uh, especially with you're someone like me who likes to make decisions. I, I like to be able to make an informed decision and go, this is our course of action. And how many times did we in elder meetings sit there and go, 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, what? Yeah, <laughs> at least once. But you know, what do we do? Uh, what do we? Don't we go this way? Okay, and and but all of us were like, but that means that we could have might have to change course in an instant, right? And that's not comforting to those of us who like to plan. Um, and and but at the same time, we had to pause, and all of us have moments in our lives to go: Is God still on the throne? Is God still desiring good for me? Is God's plan for me still good that he works all things together to the good who love God and, and are called according to his purpose? Well, I'm called according to his purpose. I love God because he first loved me. So do I believe that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do I believe, you know, all these things. Is there real true victory in Jesus? Um, but again, myself, to, to, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, myself and just the world's affairs just, and there's an enemy. Let's not discount the enemy of our soul who's trying to do everything he can to keep you quiet, to keep the joy from emanating from you. Because if he can keep Christians quiet and, and lazy and, and joyless, job done. Um, and that's why sometimes, okay, I gotta be careful here. These, these certain types of ministries that are exclusive and they hunk, it's like the hunker down mentality and, and creates an us versus them mentality. I think the enemy is like, win. <laughs> it's a win because they're not engaging with the culture in a way that brings glory to Christ. It, it, it makes people believe that Christians are a bunch of judgmental um, right, right wing conservatives um, that want their harm. So... But it's hard to get into the world and be joyful in the world, right? I mean, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. So why we need the, that's why it's great, Connie, that the Spirit is with us all the time because now I can be happy because he's with me. So how do religious experiences, however, help us in our walk of faith? Define religious experience. Are we talking no. about... Uh, uh, <laughs> are we talking about the Eucharist? Are you talking about prayer? Are you talking okay. Well, in context, in context, but in context, they're up on the mountain. They're seeing the transfiguration. There's this moment of great spiritual enlightenment, of great, of great, just experience. The reason I was I mentioned that was because I've got a a conductor friend of mine. He's uh, proclaimed the coming of the Lord 15 times. He's a a fan. I tell him stop. I mean, after I give you one or two, but after 15, he's continually wrong. I says, you're embarrassing the church. Just stop. And he is unable to do that. I'm just saying, well, it's a religious dude. The Holy Spirit, it's going to be on Shabbat. Or it's going to be on this spiritual day. And, and I'm just to say that his, in his world, uh, in religious experiences, um, not everyone. There are wackadoos out there. Well, so let's go to personal, though. How has religious experiences helped you in your faith? Okay. And you mentioned the Eucharist, prayer, baptism. I mean, all these things are... Are things that I think are experiences, yes. but they help build our faith, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. But you know, I think sometimes people are looking for an aha moment mm. where um, communion and baptism, those things are cornerstones and capstones. They're mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily going to have that aha, and you may never have an aha. Right, but it's being, but you're being built in that moment, whether we are completely aware of it or not. We're told that God is giving us; it's a means of grace. 
He's showing his grace. He's forgiving sins and those moments. So we're assured of it. Not that he's not forgiving us all the time, right? But there's these moments, like you know, when we do confession and absolution at the beginning of the service, are you guys all forgiven already? Has Christ done it all? Absolutely. However, um, it's important for us to recognize that he's God, we're not. It's important for us to recognize on a weekly basis, and most of us, I think, practice it a little more than weekly, but it's important for us to realize, number one, I've fallen short. I've missed the mark. Um, and then it's important for us to be told, but guess what? Because of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins. One of the joys I've had is Connie's aha moment. I watched her in the last two years. It's been, been just a wonderful joy for me of seeing the, the, not just the growth, but that aha moment. I mean, these two over here look like teenagers to me in the spirit room. <laughs> for me, it's made my life easier. Mm. Yeah, because you've experienced the presence of the Lord and you know He's with you. Yes. We need those moments. Yeah. We we so need much. those moments. There's been times. Go ahead, Connie. Well, and I, this is just me, but I think you start with the foundation, the baptism and the Bible study and all that. And what happens is that that. Um, life becomes easier because you're not you're you know that you don't feel that you're in charge of everything that god's in charge and then you can sort of you can watch the news and you know big deal there's nothing i can do about it so you know you don't worry about it well yeah god's in charge i have to go okay turn it off now before i start (laughs) before i start sinning i'm turning it off Because I watch both, I, 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 read, I read more right-wing stuff and then I watch a little more left-leaning stuff just to see where both sides are, what agenda they're pushing. And right now it's interest, I know. Yeah. Complete, completely opposite. Yeah. It was fasc, fascinating this morning. I'm reading the headlines and then I turned on the news. I'm like, that is completely opposite of what I just read. So it was interesting. Anyway, neither here nor there. I, I just, it, it, but you have to, if I, if I didn't have the Lord, I would probably be just mad or frustrated on one side or the other. Instead, I'm like... And you see that in people. You see yeah. people oh, yeah. that are just mad. Um, bad tempered, they don't laugh, no joy in their life, and I think it's strictly because they don't have the foundation yeah. to let go. Well, and when you are the the master of your domain, right, and that's being shaken, when, when you think you've got everything in control and, and you realize you don't, there's the, what's the phrase, the uh, fight or flight, whatever mentality, and so you'll see that either they're going to get mad and they're going to fight what's going on or they're going to, you know, cower in a corner and hide. And we've seen both of that in reaction to, to people. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to us, that, look, this is what it is. And then the last question that Steve kind of hit, hit, hit on a little bit, how can religious experience hinder our, our walk of faith? Well, twofold, God doesn't want to leave us in a place of religious experience because he's got greater joys for us to experience. There's more. He, he builds our faith in those moments and his presence is, is realer than most often or you sense it in a greater way. Um, but then he's like, but there's more. Um, when I was going through, we were going through confirmation with Pastor Dinger over Zoom um, and we were talking about, you know, 
uh, communion and baptism. And we were talking about, you know, what I had grown up with. And, and so we were talking, but he goes, yeah, but isn't it great? He goes, and I say this to people all the time, Dinger does. He goes, but wait, there's more. And so it's like the old, you know, the, the, the TV advertisements, uh, infomercials. There's this, but wait, there's more. And, and so, and I think that, that that's, it, when we have those religious experiences, the Holy Spirit saying, but there's even more. There's even more. And, and so um, I think that we don't want to get stuck in one place because right where it's it's our growing living faith that God has has and until we see him face to face there's work to be done not only in our lives but in and through us too so father thank you for this time thank you for the joy that you give us lord may we uh see that we are your lights that shine in a dark world and may we be kind loving gentle show joy lord serve others and, and love them with the love of Christ thank you that you have given us your love so that we might be able to love others. In Jesus' name, amen.